Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at fifty to eighty percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello, pod people, and welcome to Clash of the Titles, a podcast where two movies with something in common go head-to-head to figure out which one did it better. And on this week's show, for the first time in ages, we're doing twin movies, which are two films that were made at the same time with practically the same plot. So 1990s big-budget blockbuster smash Ghost is going up against 1990s low-budget TV movie Truly Madly Deeply. What do you want? Somebody! Somebody! Somebody help us! Who is that? You can hear me? Can you hear me? Sam Wheat, say my name, say it. Leave me alone! I get a message from Sam. What? Sam Wheat? He asked me to call. Once you go to police, he said it was a setup. He was murdered. The day Jamie went away, Nina's whole world fell apart. It's tragic. One minute he has a sore throat, then he's having an examination, the next moment he stopped breathing. Then, without warning, he came back. But which will be ascending to movie heaven and which one will be descending into movie hell? Let's find out in Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken! Hello, Clash Potters. I'm Chris Tilly. I'm Vicky Crompton. And yet again, we are without Alex. So even though this is the perfect week to open the gates of hell during the verdict, <laughs> it won't be happening as that's very much his thing. Maybe it will never happen. Just frankly disappointing as it would actually make sense this week. I just think if you've got something new to introduce, but then you can't do it for two, it's just kind of might be the end of it. Do you think? I don't know. We'll see oh, what he's no. we'll break his little heart. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I take it all back. <sighs> so these were Alex's choices. Why did we pick them on his behalf, Vicky? <laughs> because we really like these films. And 
Ghost has been on the list for ages. Mm-hmm. I couldn't think what to do it with. And you had the brilliant, I think it's a brilliant idea to do Truly Madly Deeply. Even though it's lesser known, yes. it is a twin movie. Um, and luckily for you and me, it's a film that I feel quite passionate about as well. Mm. So there we go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And he's not going to mind missing Ghost. I don't think. I don't think so, no. But, um, but yeah, as you say, uh, it was slightly worryingly obscure Truly Madly Deeply and, and, you know, it was only available on on one sort of um, format. But, um, and that sort of, you could see that in the answers when I put out the clues. Really? Yeah, it was a while where no one, everyone was getting ghost. Yeah. No one was getting Truly Madly Deeply. Um, So the clues, I said Night of the Loving Dead. Yes. Which made everyone think it was zombie movies. But then we followed it up with you making a noise on Twitter. Would you care to recreate (laughs) that noise? Did you saw that on the Twitter? Yes. Ooh. There we go. <laughs> Therefore, right? <laughs> ghost movies. Um, and as I say, the guesses came flooding in, but only two people got it right. Well, and then that's good, isn't it? Long, yes, it's very good. A long-time listener, Lara Jackson, was first. Brilliant. Your prize is either pottery lessons or cello lessons from Alex, who, as far as I know, can do neither. And which is sexier? Who knows? Uh, which is sexier? Probably cello. It's cleaner. Yes. <laughs> Which depends how you feel about mess. Yes. Ghost pottery is sexy. Real life pottery is not. I wouldn't know. You not do I mean. get covered in it. <laughs> they don't get covered. Anyway, we will get to that. We will get to that. So, connections. Okay, you ready? Yeah. I'll do all of them if you like. Yeah, great. Your boyfriend is dead and haunting you. Uh, you're doing up your flat in different ways, mm. but you are doing up your very flat. Very good, very good. Uh, sad women cry a lot. Mm-hmm. That's it. Knowing animals. Rats and cats. Oh yeah. yeah. What do you think the rats know that he's? Well, there? he says that they disappear. Well, I've got I've got some theories about the rats, okay. which we'll get onto. But yeah, they certainly disappear when he's there. Mm-hmm. The rats don't like the ghost, and the cat doesn't like the ghost. Yeah. Um. They both got a song. Unchained melody oh, and the sun yeah. ain't gonna shine anymore. Oh yeah. I just I've blocked out the memory of sun ain't gonna shine anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I find it excruciating in that film. It's lovely, but it's also cringy. Yes, and and that will be my final one. People who are a bit too much in love. They are a bit In a way that I can't actually, yeah, yeah, I can't enjoy it. It's funny how you, I, well, I talk a lot about it with Truly Madly Deeply because when I've, well, I've, I thought that was the pinnacle of romantic love. And mm. then when I was watching it last night as a grown up, cynical, bitter, yes. old, horrible lady, yeah. I just, just pack it in, you two. Give it a fucking rest. <laughs> I just don't buy it. No. But maybe that means I've never truly been in love. Maybe. I have. And it's not <laughs> and like it's that. not like that. <laughs> all right, let's get going then. On Thursday, I'll be all cold and repressed when I take us through truly madly deeply. So today, Vicky, please take us on a warm, fuzzy and ghostly journey. Molly and Sam are literally the perfect couple. He's not threatened by her gender-neutral stylings. And even though she's cross when he inexplicably won't tell her he loves her, she's not really cross because ditto. But then Sam is murdered because of some shonky early 90s computer system and then he's a ghost. And because Molly is basically a defenceless child, he has to hang around to protect her from the advances of evil Carl, who had Sam killed and will turn out to have no problem with serious chats about bereavement with his shirt off. So then, hooray, Sam enlists fake but turns out not fake medium May and tries to convince sceptic Molly that he really is still here which starts with her shouting personal information in the street and ends with Molly slow dancing with Alda May while they wait for a murderer to show up expecting $4 million before Carl is accidentally question mark killed and some naughty Ewoks drag him to hell and Sam is free to ascend the astral ladder while Molly articulates the majesty of what's unfolding in front of her by saying, see ya, a million times. (laughs) 
See ya. See ya. <laughs> Not all brilliant heaven's real. <laughs> Thank God. So I saw this. Right. I must have. I'm sure I have mentioned before on this podcast. Uh, I had a friend when I was just starting secondary school, so I was 11, called Leslie. And her mum introduced me to loads of fun stuff, and Leslie as well. So the Lost Boys, actually, which we went to see at the weekend, I first saw with Leslie because she was obsessed with Kiefer Sutherland. Um, Dirty Dancing, the Rocky Horror Picture Show, anything with Patrick Swayze in it, including Ghost, because Leslie's mum was in love with Patrick Swayze. So I saw it when I was very young, um, and I've seen it probably about four or five times since then mm. because it's just one of those. Um, I loved Demi Moore when I was 11. I cut my hair like her hair when I was at secondary school, which is a, it's a bit of a big swing mm. when you're in year seven. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe there's some regrets, unsure, <laughs> but still, it's what I did. Um, and I understood it. So, you know, I was 11, and so I understood that it was a sexual film, but my understanding of that was quite diffuse, obviously. Mm. And then every time you see it, you sort of get it a little bit more. And now, you know, the couple goals coming off of Molly and Sam, it's a lot, but we'll, we'll get to that. So mm. when did you see it? Well, it came out in 1990 when I was 12. The 12 certificate had just come in a year before at the cinema. So I went with all my 12-year-old, 12-year-old bloke mates. Yeah, bloke. We should bloke at 12. Me and four boys. The lads. Yeah, <laughs> which, you know, look at watching it. It's a weird film for four boys to go see, but... As I keep banging on, we didn't have Marvel movies. Yeah. We didn't have Star Wars movies coming out in the 1990s, so the early 1990s. So this is the stuff we went I'll to see. I think we did have, though, Chris. You did have the poster, and the poster is basically heavy petting. Yeah. So you were, so you, but you kind of must have known what you were getting into. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd sort of seen the trailer. <laughs> it looked amazing. And I liked it so much, I went back and saw it a second time in the cinema. <laughs> and that's why it became the most successful film of 1990, because it was yep. given something that people wanted. It makes you really feel something. Uh, it's, I mean, it's manipulative, but it's also a real crowd pleaser. And I'd say it's what they call in Hollywood and what they're always trying to do, the four-quadrant movie. Yeah. Boys, girls, you know, mums, dads, mums old dads, people. Yeah. It's everyone. Like, there's something in this for everyone. Um, and it was many, many years before I was dating. But I think this is a perfect date movie. I don't think you can get better than this. True. I agree. It's got everything. And yeah, if you're not getting lucky after this, you're doing something wrong. You're with the wrong person, maybe. Yes. Um, so yeah, I, and I have seen it. Several I guess, times. Uh, yeah, probably a few times in the 1990s. You know, yeah. when it came out on video, it was a huge video hit as well. And then, yeah, I've not returned to it in recent years. It was a good hangover film. Because you get to cry a bit, but it's not too sort of, um, pressing in that way unlike Truly Madly Deeply which we will get to so yeah. let, well now let's talk it through because we will have covered some of this when we talked about mm. Jacob's Ladder because um, a writer called Bruce Joel Rubin who as we did mention on the Jacob's Ladder episode every, it seems like his career is maybe it's as a result of his talent obviously but it's also as a result of quite a lot of acid that he took in the <laughs> 60s a spiritual awakening yes by but having all the acid in the fridge <laughs> and the, it, this acid trip you know whether it's just the way he tells a story whether it's real it just kind of you know it unlocked the field of his vision and he's got these two ideas that he's trying to get off the ground Jacob's Ladder and Ghost and then this is quite a well-known story, but it's very funny. And so he's got these, I think it's funny, but then it's because I used to be an agent. But anyway, his agent fires him because nobody wants to make movies about ghosts. And I just think, like, you're him. And his agent's like, <laughs> my hands are tied here, Bruce Joel Rubin. Mm. Nobody wants to make stuff about ghosts. You've only got stuff about ghosts. <laughs> like, 
what am I supposed to do? <laughs> so he's fired. But it all turns out brilliantly because Bruce Joel Rubin is like, I'm, you know, I'm going to make this happen. Moves to Hollywood, and and he starts trying to set ghost up in about 1984, mm. and it eventually finds a home at Paramount. So it, it, we're on kind of thing. Yeah, and it's because ghosts became a thing, right? Because, because of Ghostbusters, of Ghostbusters yeah. but particularly the one they referred to when talking about this film was Beetlejuice, is what they reckon got this off the ground. Oh, okay. The popularity of Beetlejuice made them think we can do more. We can with do ghosts. anything. <laughs> um, he also reckoned Hamlet inspired him. Yeah, I mean, you would say that, wouldn't you? Yeah. Watching Hamlet and when uh, Dad says, Avenge my death. Yes. He was sitting there thinking, oh, what about a 20th century version of Avenge my death? Yeah. Makes sense. Sure, of course it does. Um, so he, um, Bruce Rubin thinks he's going to hit the jackpot kind of thing because the film is happening and uh, Paramount wants to appoint a director. So I've got a, a number of directors he thought he was going to I've get. I've heard him say this list. <laughs> this is a terrific list. Here we go. He said, my heart was beating through my chest. I'm thinking Spielberg, Scorsese. And then she, she being Lindsay Durham from Paramount, said Jerry Zucker from Airplane. I thought he was probably the worst choice. He also name checks in another interview. I wanted Milos Forman or Stanley yep. Kubrick. Yep. Cool, when I was told the guy who made Airplane was going to direct Ghost, I cried. Yep, and, and Jerry Zucker tells that story. He, he said, I was told he burst into tears. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Not a vote of confidence. No, and the, the, I think it's, it all worked out brilliantly. But, I mean, you can kind of understand... Uh, Bruce Rubin's mm. got quite high aspirations and there's nothing wrong with Airplay but it's not Ghost no 100% so. get it but obviously the story goes they went out to dinner yeah. they hit it off and then actually Zucker got involved with the 19 drafts they then did Yeah, and he said I didn't rewrite really any of it but it was all about restructuring it to, to make it you know work Perfect. for the two hours yeah. And, you know, and a director is obviously going to be fantastic at that having to be the person that, that threads the needle kind of thing mm. um and you know, and he won an Oscar for the screenplay, so it all worked out beautifully for him. So then, for the casting, you know, as you would expect, they went to everybody for Sam. Mm. Um, I read Harrison Ford, Michael J. Fox, Paul Hogan, which no, 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 no. Uh, and everybody, well, he, did a, he did a film like this called Almost an Angel. I've sooner. seen that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, good. <laughs> I, a lot of people did a ghost-like film after this. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. Harrison Ford. Yeah, first choice. Yeah, Gibson Willis. I mean, it's just the usuals, isn't it? Yeah, so for it's, sure. that list is quite boring. Well, apart from Bruce Willis turning it down, which is mm. interesting because obviously being married to Demi Moore. Um, but he then did his ghost movie. But he did, thing, yeah, this know? is the thing. They all did it. Much later, but, you know, this sort of, Bruce Rubin, the, this quote, which I do think is interesting, believes the actors, they didn't want to play dead men because mm. they saw it as a loss of vitality. Mm. And that's very interesting. Yeah, and also they were. T- it was said it was too reactive a role. Okay. You know, that you weren't sort of being proactive. Okay. Um, I don't see that. But no, but maybe it changed. I think the script did change over time. And, and I think in, in early versions, he couldn't communicate with the living at any point, I don't think. Okay. Or, or he was communicating less, so he was doing less. So, right. um, you know, and maybe Oda May was doing more. And, he, you know, didn't like I want to be the hero. Yeah. Um, yeah, but Rubin, Bruce Joel Rubin is the guy that wanted Swayze. Yes. And Jeremy Zucker didn't. No. He'd seen Roadhouse, wasn't happy. Oh, he uh, said over my dead body. He said over my dead body. <laughs> Um, he, he, I, you know, I was watching. A, I watched a couple of documentaries about Swayze this morning, and Zucker said in one of them, he said, "Um, I also, I just having watched Roadhouse, I didn't buy that he could be a Wall Street broker." Sure, and I don't. He's not that convincing a Wall Street broker. No, he's not. And it took me. I've seen it about a thousand times. I'm still not sure he is. What like it takes me ages to remember <laughs> that's his job. Plot's ridiculous. But um, he wanted Zucker wanted Kevin Klein. Right. Okay, I can see that. Yeah. 
Um, and Patrick Swayze wants Whoopi Goldberg for Audemé. Um, I read, you know, that the producers weren't sure, but he's he kind of insisted, and so it happened. And then she obviously goes on to win an Oscar. So yeah. well done, Patrick. Yeah, I mean, he got the role by by begging them to let him read for it, and then they all say he made them cry in the room when he yeah. delivered that final speech. So, yeah, and apparently him and him and Whoopi Goldberg really hit it off in a way that he didn't hit it off with Demi Moore. Yeah. But the two of them really, really loved each other all through their lives after this. So he, you know, I mean, she was a star. They were looking for someone. They they thought they could cast an unknown. Yeah. And the two famous names that they apparently had read for it were Oprah Winfrey and Tina Turner. Okay. Both would have been good. Sure. I, I could see them both in the role, but... It's a film where you can't really imagine anyone else in these parts now, I Not don't anymore. think. No. I mean, I did read that Demi Moore, so, you know, they go to everyone for Molly, but <laughs> there's this well-told story that Demi Moore gets the gets the part. She's got the upper hand because she can cry on demand out of either eye, which I wonder <laughs> if that's true. It seems like a medical issue. <laughs> it's true. She does cry a lot in this film. I've always assumed that they'd used a tear stick because it mm. doesn't look like real tears yeah. they look like watery eyes yeah. and there is a difference like your eyes go really red when you cry and your eyes just don't leak but maybe her eyes do leak I heard Mira Sorvino talking about this her dad Paul Savino, who's Paulie in, in Goodfellas told yeah. her told her it's cheating if you ever use the stuff in your eyes it's cheating and it's not acting and never yeah. do that and so she's not allowed to okay but um, yes Demi I wonder if it happens when she doesn't want it to happen <laughs> she's just it's very strange Um, my favourite piece of casting though yeah is um do you know who was married to the production designer jane muskie was it tony goldwyn it certainly was <laughs> nice one tony yeah um yeah he convinced them to let him read on tape and nailed it and zucker said to her yeah this is gonna work i did read that jerry zucker thought that tony goldwyn was too nice for mm. the part which when you th- you know that's crazy because he's he's absolutely brilliant as carl the quote I've read from Tony Goldwyn, which I can't quite get over, is about his wife being the production designer. Right. Quote, at that time, she was much more successful than me. And then she, so she gets him onto the set and gets him, you mm. know, gets him in front of people. And I just thought, Tony, there's a better way of saying that. Like, at that time, <laughs> she was more successful than me. It just seems a bit like, and naturally, obviously, over time, mm. I became more successful than her. Or, oh, well, there was a point where I wasn't the big dog. And it just made me feel weird. That's all. Not his fault, necessarily. Might be having a bit of a funny morning. But I thought, Tony, I don't like your attitude there. I can imagine his agent calling him into the office and saying, you've got the part, Tony. Yeah. Uh, and him running from the agent's office to the gym because he's got the knowledge that in the first scene he's got to have his shirt off next to shirtless Swayze. Oh, my God. And you know what? He succeeded. Yeah. That boy is stacked and he's got a better six-pack than Swayze. The sandwich that Molly is in there in that opening sequence. (laughs) Lucky, lucky, Molly. It's too much. Yeah, you're right. You would, I mean, you would just, the, the bottom would fall out of your stomach. You're like, I have to stand next to Swayze and I've got about six weeks to get ready for this. I'd forgotten how good he is in this. Yeah. And it just makes me think it is one of the best cast movies in history. Yeah. Because also, I can't imagine anyone in the... I guess there's a lot of 80 sleazebags that could have played that role, but there's just something about him, especially as we'd not really seen him before. Yeah. And I just... I loved watching him. I was watching him more than anyone else this time, and I was really enjoying it. Because Sam is so wholesome. You have to believe that Carl is a... Is a match as a best friend mm. can't be the opposite to Sam he can't be a total sleazy dude I just wish I could remember I mean I was 12 years old it was a long time ago but I wish I could remember at what point watching it for the first time I twigged yeah. that he was the villain because it's it's so obvious when you watch it a second time that yeah. they're, they're, they're telling you 
but I just I don't know. I don't know. If, I think it took me a while. Me too. They, they, I they, can't they, remember now, and it, you don't have that same they, element of surprise. Because although they're telling you, they do do lots of smart things to throw you off or get you looking and thinking in a slightly different direction. Yeah. When he's doing the stuff he's doing. Yeah. Lovely. Well then, shall we talk about the film? Yeah. So what I want to talk about first, uh, forgive me for this, but mm. do you remember I tried to introduce a section which was called uh, "Whose is that name?" or <sighs> "Why are they called this?" I can't remember what the section was called, but mm. for a few weeks, I would kind of bust your balls about you missing where a character's surname was important and it, it sort of telegraphed their character. Mm. And I was like, these choices are on purpose and they're important and you can't just come up with a random surname. So Sam is called, this blows apart my theory because mm. I don't know why he's called Sam Wheat. It's terrible. <laughs> no one's ever been called Wheat. <laughs> oh my God. That's why I guess there's Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton, yeah, but that sounds like a real Yeah, a that real sounds name. like a name. That's... I've never questioned that, no. but yeah, Wheat is just... Sam Wheat. Yeah. It's... Hello, I'm Sam Wheat. He's I'm whole... your broker. He's wholesome. Like, he's... Wheat is wholesome. Like, Wheat is wholesome. Is wheat wholesome? And, and whole and an vital ingredient in mm. staple foods. Mm. Then call him Wheaton. Yeah. To invoke Wheat, but not to just flat out, he's called Sam Wheat. So anyway, like, that's just that section dealt right, with. No, but... I, well, I've got my own section this week that before we get into the film. Um... And I mentioned this to you on Saturday, but I will say it again. This film was a 12 when I saw it, and it was a 15 this time. Oh, really? And it's annoyed me. And weirdly enough, um, after I watched it on Friday, that evening I was out with someone who works at the BBFC. God, that's your dream date. <laughs> I said to him, what's going on? We were trying to figure out, and we think, and I do vaguely remember this, that the 12 certificate came in in 89 in cinemas, but they didn't introduce it on video for years for some reason. And so it had to be a PG or a 15 when it came out on video. They made it 15. And for it to now be a 12, they'd have to resubmit it. And they've obviously not been asked. But I think that's sad. I think there's 12-year-old boys who should be watching who this movie. Who are being denied the pleasure yes. of Ghost. Yeah, all these years later. bending someone's ear. And if you did tell me this on Saturday, without any disrespect, I've obviously blocked that out. I, yeah. so it's like, stop talking. It's a good story. About, <laughs> about film certification. He also saw an early cut of cello. Okay. Which became truly madly deeply. Okay, was it saucier? <laughs> no, just changed the name. <laughs> just sounds like, yeah, but it's about a musical instrument rather than about grief. Okay, so anyway, that's our little Sam Wheat thing. So anyway, as we've said, Sam is renovating a beautiful apartment and he's got his stunning partner, Molly, by his side and his handsome friend, Carl, and everything is blissful and completely aspirational because life is good and Sam is so happy he's convinced that something bad is going to happen. Oh, Sam... You beautiful, beautiful fool, but you are right. He's right. He's right. Um, so before Carl, Carl mentions money a few times. Yeah. Molly says, Carl, you're obsessed. <laughs> he says he likes the Ferrari. It's all there. <laughs> yeah. It's all there. And before everything gets blown apart, we'll spend a bit more time with Sam and Molly being gorgeous and, excuse my language, but wanking off a pot. Mm. Because that's what happens. It's lovely. It's it's very, very, very saucy for a million, million obvious reasons. They did have an actual sex scene, but mm. they decided that the pottery wheel was more erotic. And that's true. Um, sometimes yes. if you allude to something, it's more titillating than if you actually show it. Yeah, uh, these are not my words. These are Patrick Swayze's words. He says it worked because it didn't involve humpage. Yeah, humpage. Um, <laughs> but Demi Moore said that the way he comes behind her and the way he's moving behind her, it, she said it felt like a dance. Well, he's a it? dancer. Yeah, this and he, and, he and, can't and, help it. And he said it was a, for him. It was a dance, and so yeah, it's that it's you're seeing people make 
a beautiful connection. Yes. You know, and that's what we all want to do. Yeah, and you the four quadrant thing, you're right. It's not too intimidating no. if you're a prepubescent person and real sex is fucking terrifying. Yep. If you're a bit older, there's a lot of clothes being removed and there's a lot of Patrick Swayze to see, which is great. That's what you're there for. And if you're a bit even older and maybe you're feeling a bit more conservative, it's not too naughty. It's fine. No. And um, also, there's another aspect to it, which I found when I looked at home. Oh, This is look. my, I'm holding up my seven inch of the Righteous Brothers. <laughs> you won. <laughs> uh, Unchained Melody, as heard in the film Ghost. As very much heard in the film Ghost. Yeah, I was, yeah. I was very much influenced by films in those days because I found this next to it. That's Take My <gasps> oh Breath my Away from Top Gun. That's amazing. And I found this next to it. Total power from... T- oh, wow. <laughs> have you got a record player? I have, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've got a record player. When you come round, bring your record. These, we'll are, these, record are, these are my originals, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, that song, number one for about a month, I think, in yeah. the UK. And it just, this is the, you know, it's obviously tempting when you look back in your memories to be like, it was, a, it was a hot summer and everything was brilliant. But I just have these memories of that song and everything just being sort of idyllic, weirdly. Yes. Do, do you remember the Naked Gun two and a half spoof of I it? I do, yeah, yes. very much so. Uh, the tagline to the Naked Gun two and a half was from the brother of the director of Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> They're funny ads. They are. So there we go. Um, but let's back to the plot. Sam and Molly are off to see Macbeth, remember, because mm. Macbeth thinks he can't be killed, but he can actually. Mm, um, and saying it's bad luck. Yeah. And you're in a theatre, but it's all... It all connects. Yeah, but how, we know they're going to see Macbeth because uh, Carl really randomly asked, where are you going tonight? <laughs> <laughs> to see Macbeth. <laughs> what are you doing? Nothing. <laughs> um, and then they're mugged by Willie Lopez, mm. played by Rick Aviles. Um And mm. it's, it's great because it's, I mean, this is the thing. For, you know, I was, what, 11 years old from Blackburn. I assume that all of New York is, you will not get any help. It is the scariest place on earth. So if you're mugged in the street, no one is going to come and save you. I'm sure it's not like that anymore. Well, that bit of town was like that yeah. then and it's become gentrified. And it looks like Sam's fine, but then he's not fine because he's a ghost mm. now. Mm. Um, and so he gets to do a bit of ghost stuff. Yeah, which... he does some pretty bad face acting, I think, when he dies. Yeah, I'll but, have that. Yeah. But it's interesting. He was When they were first shooting this, he was, he was channeling his late father's death. His dad passed away in 82. Yeah. And it got too intense. And it's interesting. This is a big part of his career almost that after Dirty Dancing, he did an interview with Barbara Walters and she mentioned his dad right at the end of it. And mm-hmm. he just loses his shit. Yeah. And he starts saying that, you know, I love that man. I vowed to make him proud of me until the day I die. Mm. Um, he, he talks about the fact he dreamed that he'd buy a ranch and his dad would run it one day and she's crying and he's crying and then he dances with her. Oh, my God. And his agent says that's the moment he became a star. Not not even Dirty Dancing. Yeah. My phone rang off the hook when yeah. America saw this handsome, athletic man crying. We do like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's the same the same year we had it in England with Gaza. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. That... But it did change things. It did. That's such a... When I think about that, it's such a weird moment, isn't it? Because mm. every... all the, I just remember all the mums being like, oh, bless him, because <laughs> he's cried. Um, but then later it's like, oh, but, you know, the domestic abuse is like, yeah. ish. What do we do with these feelings? She took it there very fast. <laughs> it's just my overriding memory because, I'm, you know, not being like, I understand he's in a, I was an outstanding footballer, but mm. yeah, people are complicated. I understand all of they that. They are. They are. 
Um, so uh, Sam gets to attend his own funeral, which I've always thought would be quite satisfying, but I don't think that anymore. I think it would just be sad, unless it was poorly attended, in which case I would be furious. Mm. Uh, but uh, yeah, now being a bit more grown up, I don't think that would be a nice afternoon. No. Uh, it mopes around his old flat, scares the cat, and then Willie breaks into the flat. So Sam follows him and he runs into Subway Ghost, played by Vincent Schiavelli. Mm. When I was at, you know, Ghost was a big thing to talk about in the playground. Subway Ghost used to scare the living shit out mm. of us. We thought he was terrifying. And he, I can't believe he does. I, this is the first time I've heard he doesn't get a name. You know, he's no. Subway Ghost. He doesn't have a name. And he's really important to the plot. And he's brilliant for the short amount mm. of screen time he gets. And he's got a hell of a face. Yes. And, you know, the stuff in these scenes, it, the effects are really good. Yeah. I mean, they're dated a bit now, but I remember at the time... They were sort of magical and, 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 and Sam touching things and going through things. Zucker said when he was with his effects people, he put a napkin in a cup of coffee and show, showed them it absorbing the liquid. And he said, that's what I want to see on screen, right. which is quite a strange thing to show someone. But I think that's kind of what happens. Like he absorbs the material. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's going through absorbing man. Okay. Um, but that's one of the many times when he's doing these tricks, when he's going through the door, that's when we're getting sidetracked because Carl's doing his stuff with Molly there. He's getting Molly out of the apartment so Willie can come in. Yes. But we're we're excited about him going through a door. Yeah. I like it. It's sort of sleight of hand going on. I suppose on. it's a big ass. No, it does work. But when Sam is in the hospital and he realises he's a corpse mm. and the old man next to him is like, don't worry about the doors. You know, the first time you do it, he said you'll get used to it or something. Mm. So it's built up as a big thing because mm. being, no one knows what it's like to be a ghost because they're not real. So someone has to put an obstacle in front of that ghost, which is going through a door would be weird. Why would it be weird? I don't know. Like It doesn't seem like the biggest... Going into another person, big deal. Going yeah. through a door, maybe not so much. See, I've, I've never been a ghost, so I can't answer that question. You can't speak to that. I understand that. Yeah, They're saying it's weird. I'm, I'm fine with it. that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Fair <laughs> they, enough. And I do think they do a relatively good job of setting out the rules because... So many times when we talk about films that don't work, it's because they've not set out the rules. True. What are the powers? What? But this, yeah. they do it very elegantly and, and economically yeah. and in a way that I can just focus on the plot rather yeah. than... I feel quite strongly about stuff like that because that's why I love Ghostbusters as much as I do because mm. the rules are super clear to be broken later. Yeah. And it doesn't... It kind of does Yeah, you're right. It doesn't matter what they are. It can be anything. You know, why can you know why can he sit down in the hospital? Why is he sitting on a chair? He shouldn't be able to sit on the chair. But it, you just get into it. You're like, oh, because girls think they can. Why do girls wear clothes? It makes no sense that they mm. wear clothes. Just because they do. You 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 have to stay in what you died in. Yeah, it's a good job he was wearing that because a bit earlier in the film, that red shirt and yeah. those black trousers, because a bit earlier in the film, he was wearing quite a terrible Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> and yeah. I like a Hawaiian shirt, but you that do, one, you do that one were not good. Shirt. That one were not good. So a bit of plot. Um, Sam realises that Willie is going to hurt Molly. So he's mm. got to be doing something about that. So what can he do? Say he'd like to go to heaven? No, he's got to stay and he's got to enlist the help of a psychic. So we finally meet Oda Mae Brown, played by Whoopi Goldberg. It feels late because she's the the she is the best thing in this film. Yes. It just I couldn't believe it took as long to get to her as it does. Mm, it's 40 but, minutes. Yeah, but it obviously works. The first time I've ever felt that need to complain about that. Mm -hmm. She's resplendent. She's wearing this full-length copper metallic copper mm -hmm. gown. Um and what a brilliant decision I think in the writing to have her as a fraud ripping people off with cold reeds but she can actually hear Sam and then initially only Sam it's just brilliant it's great it's great and and she said that she her agent didn't put her up for the role um she asked why it was because they thought she was too famous she'd obviously done color purple she'd been a big broadway star but um she said I had to get the role when I read it because I am Oda Mae Brown right I'm a con artist I'm a scam artist I always have been 
I always will be a scam. And yeah. so, yeah, I just played myself. I think as well. Which is a funny concept. Yeah. Because she's always on the back foot, because she, she believes she's a fraud. She's not like, oh, why is my psychic power not working? Mm. She knows she believes that she's, you know, an imposter. She's always on the back foot because, and she's, that gives her, that gives her a comedic space that's really clearly defined. You will be constantly surprised at what's going on. Mm. And it's just brilliant. You know, she gets to do her thing brilliantly. Um, so, what's that? I don't know, but we should take a break. <laughs> I was tapping my watch to tell you it's <laughs> half an hour in and it, it said this something back to me. It's going from bad to fucking worse. I'll do it myself next time. Sorry. And then I just swore again. Sorry. Are we taking a break? Yes. <laughs> a lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And we're back. And we're back. <laughs> Start Sorry. It's deeply irritating. I understand that. So anyway, um, Sam needs to convince Molly that he's a ghost. She doesn't buy it, understandably. And so we get a use for Ditto, which we'd set up earlier. It's one of the wrinkles, I think, in their relationship. They're so perfect. They are so gorgeous. He, But he won't tell her he loves her. And you think, why? <laughs> What's wrong with you? I'll tell you why. Why? So we can say at the end. Well, exactly. <laughs> it's yeah. just there for that reason. It's uh, a writer's putting an, ob- an obstacle in the way to be able to resolve it. Does, whether or not it fits with them as a couple, as a character, I forgive it because 
Sam has had this thing about when everything's perfect, that's when things go wrong. And so I, I'm reaching a little bit, but I think the writer is saying if Sam admits his love, she'll disappear mm. because that's when everything goes wrong. So that's his excuse for ditto. That's not just the excuse of like, I need a good callback. Mm. But it works. It's brilliant, obviously. Um, and so Odame and Sam explain everything to Molly, which is, the, I mean, I read that, well, I've seen this gif, obviously, but You Endanger Girl, which is very, very funny. But actually, the scene would be boring if Whoopi Goldberg wasn't so brilliant because mm. we're being told something we already know, which is one of my pet hates. But she gets space to be hilarious, so it's perfect. He's got an attitude now. I ain't no damn secretary. Molly, you in danger, girl. <laughs> they're just, they're all, it's all comedy gold. Yeah, it is absolutely brilliant. I could watch it forever. She's so good. Mm. So Molly goes to the police and she's begging them to look into Willie. And it sort of for a minute looks like they will, like a pretty sad white girl turns up and is like, can you investigate this person? And they're like, absolutely, ma'am, you wait right there. <laughs> Which is obviously ludicrous. But no, they show her that Older May is a crook, she's a con. Mm. They show her all these mug shots and she's got, you know, a charge sheet as long as your arm and all of that. And she just looks brilliant in every single photo. Like the power of Whoopi Goldberg's star is that every guys that she's in in those photos, you're like, I want to see that film. Mm. I really think that. Yeah, I think we got some of those films and they weren't all that good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but now Carl's come over. Yeah, so an hour in, we got the Carl reveal. Yeah. Uh, where he goes to Willie's house and tells him to get rid of Oda May, which is the first really evil thing he does because we realise he, he wasn't, Willie wasn't supposed to kill. Yeah, they split uh, the badness. Yeah, he wasn't supposed to kill him. But what was he supposed to do? He needed a Mac code. He was supposed to take his wallet and that was it. Yeah, but the Mac code was in the book, not the wallet. And oh, so yeah. I didn't, I just... Oh, yeah. The, the plot is not is, is strange. Yeah. It's weirdly simple and confusing. That's true. Um, and then they're doing it all, he's doing it all for 80 grand. It's not a lot, is no, it? No, it's not a lot. He owes $4 million to drug dealers. They're drug dealers, man. <laughs> just, there's a lot There's a lot explained in a really short period of time that doesn't really, it sort of all unravels. Well, it's because he's like, oh, I'm laundering money. And you think, I get, I mean, I don't get it, but I get that. Yeah, then yeah, it's yeah. like, oh, I owe drug dealers $4 million. Okay. Yeah. But that 80 grand of that's mine. And so you've got these competing sums in your head. Yes. 80 grand is, is, of course, a lot of money, but compared to 4 million, it's not. So you're like, you've murdered your friend? For not four million pounds? Yeah. No, he that's, wasn't supposed to murder his friend. But he wasn't supposed to murder his friend. I think they but do he, it. he now orders Oda May's death, so, you know, he's yeah. full on villain. But yeah, I guess he's Ozark, isn't he? I guess he's Jason Bateman in Ozark. Yeah, which I've just finished. Yes, so I know, that's why I said it. I'm obsessed with money laundering at the that's moment. Why is that reference? It seems quite straightforward. But he's he's in deep with these guys, but he does have enough money to buy Japanese apple pears. <laughs> what is a Japanese apple I don't pear? know. I should have Googled it. The thing is, I'd like, I mean, Molly... You know, as a character, who is she? she? She's just a doll. She's just like, she mm. just looks gorgeous. She can cry out of one eye, whatever. Um, who she is is the not necessarily the thing she does. She's a potter, but she's you don't know artist. why. She's an artist. She's an artist, but does that mean she's just a blank thing? Like, mm. and she likes pears. And that's kind of all you know about mm. her. But, but it's fine. Who cares? Like, It's fine. There's enough going on. Yeah. We have got one strong female character, so... There's not room for two, Chris, as everybody knows. <laughs> one is pushing it, to be honest. It's enough. <laughs> um, but I do love Carl's stuff here. He shows up with the Japanese apple pears to seduce uh, Molly. He turns the picture of Sam around when he sits yep, down. He spills the coffee on himself, it's so he so has to brilliant. take his shirt off. And you're like... You, I mean, you, you, it's driving you mad how evil he is, but it's very enjoyable. But this is one of my <laughs> ultimate Vickies. You know how I like saying this. It's one of the not-now-mates... <laughs> Um, this really isn't the time, Carl. Really You've got a lot on your plate right now. Yeah. Get the money sorted. Yeah. Give it a couple of days. Yeah. Then try and seduce 
Molly, your best this, friend's this, girlfriend. This is just the, yeah. You've compressed the time too much, yeah. and yeah, take a time out. <laughs> it's just when because I I think it's important that you've seen that Molly and Carl are friends because when he chucks the coffee in himself and she's like, "I'll get you a shirt." No, thank you. And you'd be like, "Really? <laughs> like you don't want another shirt? Are you sure? I've got a fucking wardrobe full of them. Yes, they're Sam's, and that might be creepy. But what is more creepy is you talking to me about grief." With no shirt on at mm. this point, it's it is so yeah, it's deliciously evil. He's brilliant, mm. uh, but I completely agree with you. Not now, love. Like like you say, these drug dealers are going to kill you. Mm. Deal with that first. Um. So anyway, poor old Sam. He's about to watch his best friend have sex with his girlfriend in his house. Um. And he's barely in the ground. To be fair, so this is when he gets really vexed and he moves a photograph of him and Molly, which would of course put you right off mm. in the moment and works and puts them right off mm -hmm. so it's back to the subway we're going to learn how mm. to move things properly yeah we, ne we nearly get a montage I know it's so close <laughs> I was so frustrated in my notes I was like training montage oh it's not a montage yeah such a shame ghost training ghost training rule of three it where set up some annoying kids and whatnot, and you're trying to mm. break up this gang of annoying kids you can't do it you nearly do it you do it it yeah. writes itself easy Easy peasy. Um, but I tell you why Subway Ghost is so good here because you get an idea of what happens to you as a person, Ghost, if you stay too long. Mm. So Subway Ghost is, you know, he seems like he's lost it a bit and he mm. doesn't know who he is or he, where he is. Or... You get a sense that he's in real pain. Yeah. He does a lot with a little here. Yeah. And oh. that actually you do have to be moving on if you can. Yeah. Ascending the ladder yeah. kind of thing. Um, we've got some stuff in the bank. Sam gets older mate to pose as Rita Miller to take Carl's four million. Yeah, she's, she's, she's got her banking outfit on, <laughs> which is a lot of pink. Yeah. Again, it would be actually quite a boring scene if it wasn't for how good Whoopi Goldberg is. Like, we don't, all we need to know is Carl is screwed. We don't need to see him getting screwed for the money unless it's done in a much more visually arresting way. Yeah. I mean, it's fine. It's funny. Yeah, and also, you know, it cuts from her sorting out the money, getting the money, talking too much, to Carl realising what's happening. Yeah. And it is fun watching him sweat. Yeah. He doesn't have to do much else, but we want to see we want to see him in physical and mental pain. Yeah. And this film gives us that. And before. the computer going, it's Sam, 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 murderer. Murderer is really good. <laughs> I'll tell you what I liked. And I think if it wasn't, you know, as deftly handled as it is, Carl then is like, he basically is like, okay, fine, I'm dealing with a ghost. And he mm. doesn't go through the whole, what, what, how? No. He, he just gets it done in like 30 seconds. He's like, I accept yep. that Sam is here as a ghost and I will interact with you on that level and I'll threaten you on that level, which is great because we don't really have time to have another character running through the motions, which is what Molly's doing of like, no, it can't be true kind of thing. Mm. We need at least one character that confronted with a ghost they can't see or hear is like, okay, I can deal with it at that level, which mm -hmm. I think is really good. Yeah. Um, Sam scares Willie to mm. his death so mm. we see these like little naughty Ewok things do you know what they're called no they're called the clickers Ooh, okay. that's what they called them on set because they're sort of a clicking sound when they start appearing okay that's what they called them behind the scenes they're sort of these wailing shadows that come to life yeah and, and effectively drag him to hell and you know you were 11 when you watched it I was 12 genuinely terrified I wasn't terrified by Willie's death which is bad but I think it's because it's less gruesome than what's about to come. And Carl's death, I think about that, I would say, sort of a, th a few times a year. <laughs> I, find it, I find it genuinely scary. 
What the glass? Yeah. Ah. Nah, yeah. For me, it's these. It's these little devils. No, I just don't mind it really. I don't know. Weird. I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's, that's fair. Um. So then we've got to go back. We've got to convince Molly again, which is a little bit frustrating, but it's okay. Yeah, and to be, you know, they did set up the penny early on. Yeah. They moved the penny. Fine, we got it. Um, it, it's an excuse for her to cry again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, we get the repossession. The, sorry, the possession yeah. scene. It gives them an excuse to reuse Unchained Melody. Yeah. Um, did you think? I, and I've written. I've thought long and hard about saying this because it seems like I'm saying it for the sake of it, but it is really what I thought. Did you think that? Demi Moore, sorry, Molly and Sam, but as older me, but as Sam, sat down at the wheel again. Because I thought they did. And I was surprised that it was just a dance. And I thought in my memory that even though they did sit down at the wheel and even though that's quite intense, considering what it would actually look like and be like, that it they'd somehow made it work. And so when they were just dancing, I was really surprised because I thought we had a repetition of the pottery wheel. Nope. And that's on me. Nope. I mean, it is a shame. I mean, it would have been weird, but it is a shame we don't see what's really happening. Yeah, you're right. You know, and yeah. I just think they thought audiences weren't ready, weren't ready to see yeah. two women dancing with each other. Yeah. But um, but yeah, we, we see what she's imagining um, and what, what he's experiencing, but not what's actually happening. Even just the, even if you did it, God, everyone calm down. Like do it and they've got an aerial shot. Can we not do mm. it there? And it's like, if you squint, it might mm. not. I mean, fucking hell. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, that first time when they go from the pottery wheel to the dance yeah. in, the, in, the, in the living room standing where he's sort of holding her on top of him. Um, no, nothing on them. The clay's all gone. Yes, true. Did they go and have a quick wash? <laughs> I don't we were in the moment. You but... know more about it than I do. I don't think I've ever sat at a pottery wheel, as I'm sure you can imagine. I think I did it once when I was at school. Yeah. This, this is not for me. <laughs> this is boring and hard. <laughs> <laughs> so Carl's here and he's got a gun and he's chasing the women and they are so rubbish at defending themselves that a man's got to do it, even if he's literally dead. Mm. Mm. <laughs> it did annoy me a little bit. They're like, help, help. And Sam has got to defend them, even though he's a ghost. Mm. But, okay, fine. Um, so what's the sequence of it? So Carl falls on the window ledge and then he'd set the hook swinging, the hook that they had from earlier to mm. hoist this big statue in. That shatters the glass. And now it's, I think the film is taking pains to say to me, Sam does not do any of that. He doesn't want that to happen. A hundred percent. Because also you could look at Willie's death as an accident as well. Yeah. He's chasing him and he gets hit by a car. Yeah. So even though I'd say he's somewhat responsible, yeah. he is not responsible by the morality of this film and therefore he can ascend to heaven. Because if he killed one of them, he yeah. might have had to go to hell. Oh, that's it, yes. Or, or would it be an eye for I don't, an eye? For an eye. I don't know. But um, Well, this is a thing. This it is a depends. very moralistic film. Yes, it is. Yeah, it is. Because Willie Lopez, we don't know anything about his context or background and why he does the bad things he does. And he's just gone to hell. Like, that's it for him. Mm. We spend more time with Carl understanding his motivation. Well, mind you, Willie's motivation is money, Carl's is money. I suppose it's kind of the same. I, re- I read an article by a, a Puerto Rican writer just saying that this is the worst of the Puerto Rican characters in films of this period. Yeah. But this actor um, did unfortunately have to play a lot of them because those are the only roles he was given. We talked about him in Carlito's Way. He's very good in the pool room scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the, he's the villain there and, uh, and he was in a cannonball run. He was in Godfather 3. I think. He was in lots of great films, but, yeah. you know, 
he was he he never played a a bloke who wasn't a criminal basically. Yeah. But he, I mean, he's very good in it in here. But I'm... that's why it's, it's, it's the scene flips it. But when having forgotten what happens in the police station, it does look like a white woman says he's called Willie Lopez, and so a police officer's like, well, if that's his name, obviously I'll look into it, kind of mm. thing. But obviously it doesn't play out like that. So no. yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, but you know, I, it's good when Carl dies and then stands up and, and Tony Goldwyn's doing great face acting here that yep. dawning realization yeah uh of what's happened on his face uh, on his face and i i actually thought oh, cause i haven't seen it in years i thought the angel that they set up earlier was going to yeah, crash not? on him and of kill course. him because i felt like that's what i they mean were... symbolically it's a bit heavy yes that you would get yes. killed yes by an angel but, but like, just but why is it, it there otherwise yeah why not yeah yeah, but, you're yeah. right, because Patrick swears he does the leap of faith to, to get the statue through the mm. and all of that. Yeah. And shows how athletic is. But um, yeah. yeah, the demons drag Carl to hell, which frightened me and obviously didn't frighten you because you were well hard and I wasn't. No, no, it did scare me. It scared me. This is the one that scared me more. Um, but it's more the glass than mm. the, the little Ewok things because it's just it just feels awful. And it, you just, I don't know, he knows it's happening. Ugh, it's just uh, horrible. And, and it's one of the last films of this ilk that was done practically. There's hardly any digital effects here. They're, they're, they're mimes dressed up, dragging him away. Are they? Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? they, they put little digital effects on them, but it's, it's as practical as they could do at that time. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. So, heaven opens up. Mm. And it's now the last scene of Jacob's Ladder isn't that similar, or is that the scene that was going to be shot? No, the last scene is him being in the field hospital, isn't it? But mm. there is a moment where you see heaven, mm. and it's beautiful. It's funny you should bring this up. Why? So I'm a bit obsessed with. There's a five minute interview on the Late Show or something from 1990, and it's Clive Barker right. interviewing Bruce Joel Rubin and Jerry Zucker. Right. And kind of going at them in a way. Okay. I, I don't think he's that big a fan of Ghost. So I'll put I'll put the whole of the the five minutes on on our Twitter. But this is just when um, Clive Barker asks Bruce Joel Rubin about his his idea of what he, of what heaven looks like. Okay. Uh, the thing that sort of surprises me is that the visions of particularly of heaven towards the end are so, forgive this, de deodorized. I mean, by the time we get to the end of the movie, we've got this um, sort of Spielbergian vision of, of white ethereal forms uh, coming to, to claim Patrick Swayze. And in a way that seems, having where the movie has been sort of punchier in the middle, mm. seems almost sickly, almost saccharine. Well, I'm off of sugar right <laughs> at the moment, so I like it. I'm always on sale with saccharine, with everything. But I, no, um, I actually, <clears throat> I, quite, I quite like the end vision. We had two, a couple things in mind. One, the idea of making heaven pleasing, so that okay. we, we didn't want to set you know, new ground in terms of making it strange or unusual or, or having people think particularly in another direction. We wanted it to be a pleasing image. And the vision of heaven is very much the archetypal vision of heaven. And in a sense, hell is sort of archetype also. Yeah. And there are reasons archetype exists. I mean, an archetype isn't there just by chance. Sure. It's because it has some it major meaning to us. to us as a people. Absolutely. I mean, even in talking about heaven, we talked about images of heaven. And the image that comes up most clearly is a kind of sunset glowing, beautiful, glowing, cloud-like formation. It's something that everyone understands as heaven. And then um, Clyde Barker basically goes on to tell Jerry Zucker, you're a bit pretentious now, aren't you? <laughs> 
And it's like, they're kind of laughing, but I'm thinking, I don't think his eyes are laughing here. This is uncomfortable. But it's they're a really... like, you weird little man. Leave <laughs> but, us alone. But it's a really interesting interview. And I think what they don't get into, and what I'm annoyed Bruce Joel Rubin doesn't mention, is I, I have done the darker side of this. He talks in that interview about this is very black and white. Yeah. Good and evil. And I've I've written and Jacob's Ladder's been made and that does show the, the shades of grey. Yeah. And the dark side of, of, of this, of, of the people that are existing in the middle. Yes. I think that's fair. I mean, I, I the, what they just said makes sense to me. It's a pleasing archetypal image. So you get it and you're like, oh, Patrick swears he's gone to heaven. And you don't stop. I didn't stop to think, well, does he deserve that? And mm. I, I, I didn't appreciate there's a binary at work here because I was 11 when I saw it. And I was like, OK, cool. Yeah, um, everyone felt the same. I think the movie earns it, the character earns it, and the movie earns it. Yeah. And and it and it it gives you, it feels like it exists. This film to give us comfort. Yes. You know, um, Swayze cried. Where he took him two months to to read the script with his wife and his his assistant bugging him, and when he read it, he he was in tears, and he said oh, it made him feel like he would see his dad again someday. That's how this film made him feel, and I think it's how it made a lot of people feel, whether that's good or bad yeah and that's why it's uh, that's why i think it works for me because i don't know i mean the, the the bright white light is something that a lot of people report when they do come mm. close to death and all the rest of it so that's why we recognize that but the the fact you know having these other shapes if, if there's any thought with me of what if there's a heaven which i don't believe in like a you know a moral mm. heaven it would be just a rejoining wouldn't it you mm. just rejoin whatever weird spiritual mass that you came from and that's that and it's lovely mm. And and they give him these pleasing lines as well. You know, he says, I love you for the first time. He yeah. says, I love you, Molly. I've always loved you. Yeah. She says, ditto. That's a nice <laughs> thing. Then he says, it's amazing, Molly. The love inside you, you take it with you. Yeah. It's so sentimental, but it's a beautiful concept. Yeah. And then what happens? <laughs> she just says, see you. <laughs> she says, see you. And he says, see you. And it's, that's it. It's like, what? Yeah. Why? The thing is, just don't say anything. No. Because we do, the, with a film, you don't need to see everything. No. So he can say, the love inside, you take it with you. She smiles, cut, Finn. Wow, done. Unbelievable. <laughs> see ya. <laughs> see you, mate. Yeah, 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 later. Yeah, I've, I've got a shoot. So, yeah, see ya, I guess. It's a, a very weird ending. Mm. Um, but yeah, the love inside you take it with you is nice. And I suppose that just distracts. I mean, I I sort of read, you know, she's she's going to get to live. And so that's why she can be casual with the ditto thing. You know, she's going to have her life. And so the CU marries with the casualness of ditto. And so it's fine. But it is um, maybe at odds with the, mm. the poeticism, etc. And so we're done. Mm. So this was... Um, the year where the films that were supposed to dominate the box office did not. Yes. So this is the year of Pretty Woman and Ghost and Home Alone. Yeah. Which no one saw coming. And it's interesting. I could have brought this up a couple of weeks ago because this came out at roughly exactly the same time as Days of Thunder and Dick Tracy. Wow. And we talked about the competition between those two movies. Yeah. And that they were so busy. They were so busy focusing on each other. They didn't. They weren't prepared for Ghost. No. They didn't know that this little romantic drama was going to hoover up all the money all that, lovely that money. they thought they were going to make. Yeah. Um, because it spent months in the top ten. Yeah. This was in cinemas for such a long time. Yeah. Um, uh, and then it got five Oscar nominations. Yeah, that's uh, the big deal. Because I think people thought it was just a bit of a mum film. Mm. Like you underestimate the power of um, 
<laughs> sexually repressed mums to push a movie over the line. But sexually oppressed, uh, repressed 12-year-old boys. Exactly. <laughs> but to get all the Oscars gives it that sort mm. of the seal of legitimacy that I'm sure it took a lot of people. And it surprise. won, deservedly won Best Supporting Actress yeah. and yeah, won Best Screenplay. But also to be nominated for Best Picture as well. It mm. seems, oh, well, I don't know, it's, the Oscars is weird, isn't it? But it is. It just seems like a, such a little film for that. But mm. there we are. Um, okay, cool. Should we do the bits? Yeah. What's your best scene? Oh, there's a lot. There's a lot I like in this film, but I really, really laughed this time at the stuff in the bank. Did you? Yeah, and I think it's because, yeah, I think she's great in that scene and then intercutting it with um, with Carl losing his shit. I just find it all very, very satisfying. Okay. And that sequence ends with her, you know, refusing to hand the money over to the nuns. Oh, we need to do Sister Act. That's what it made yes, me think we of. Do. We did have a good pairing for that, but I there's can't quite a few. There's the Sister Act, Nuns on the Run, yeah. We're No Angels. That's De Niro and Penn hiding with priests. Oh yeah. Based on an old Humphrey Bogart film. There's a few directions we can go in, but we should do Sister Act. We could just do it one and two and just get it, you know, get that done. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yours is the bang that I thought was boring. Yes. So that's good. Uh, mine. I mean, Carl's death. You know, I do think about that quite a lot. But it is obviously sexy pottery wheel. Because of all the parodies that I've seen of it mm. over the years, then you watch it again, watch it again in the week, and I didn't find it funny. So it's not the mm. parodies haven't soured it or changed the tone of it. There is nothing, there's something inherently parodiable about it, mm. which doesn't then sort of the backdraft of like humour doesn't ruin the thing for what it is. And it is still very weirdly moving and very sexy. Mm. So it must be gold. It's a better choice than mine. <laughs> Uh, what's your most valuable whatever? I mean... It's hard, isn't it? No. There's two, basically. No. <laughs> <laughs> Although, you know, my runner-up is um, Tony Goldwyn because I just think, because he's such an underrated villain, Yeah. I watching this, he is one of the all-time great movie villains okay. and I don't think he gets talked about like that. Right. But it's Whippy Goldberg. Yeah. I mean, she elevates this thing when she shows up. Yeah. I I struggled between. I mean, it is Whoopi Goldberg, but yeah, I wanted. To, I kind of was like, maybe we should give it to Tony because he's awesome. He's brilliant. Did you? But oh. I I do give it to Whoopi Goldberg because she's just great. Was Tony Gold when you're runner up? Uh, yeah. Oh, it's wow. not. It's not Patrick Swayze or Demi Moore. No, not at all. No. Which is weird because they are, are integral to the, what yeah, this film yeah, is. Yeah. But with again, with all the greatest respect, because they're a little bit. Uh, yes. It gives those other two yes. enough space to to sort of steal it. Yeah. And they do. So yep. yeah, but Whoopi Goldberg anyway. Um, what would you change? Um, I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't have all the minorities in the film be criminals. Yeah. Um, I think Carl is involved with drug dealers. I think because Carl is is maybe doing a lot of cocaine and that's where all the sweating is coming from <laughs> as well. Let's see some of that. I want to see Carl, Carl doing a big line. Okay, cool. Um, as I said, audiences weren't ready for it now as far as the studio was concerned, but I think we should see Molly making out with Oda May. Yeah. Um, but this is my change. Go on. Have Oda May witness the drug dealers kill Carl and then she has to hide in the convent <laughs> of the nuns she met earlier. <laughs> See what I've done there? Yeah, I like that. It was all there That's for That's such a good idea. <laughs> uh, so my, I struggled a bit because there isn't really much I would change because I do like this film very mm. much. Um, I think it's the sort of the same thing that you said. This, Carl's like, these are drug dealers, dude, or whatever he says. Maybe I could do with seeing that drug dealer because mm -hmm. a drug dealer covers a broad church of not scary 
annoying people and mm. very scary people. So maybe have room for... But then you've got three baddies and, that, and that's a bit Yeah, much. I think they just need to... I think they just need to clear it up, tidy up what, what he's up to and what's yeah. going on with him because... Yeah. It sidetracks you a little bit too much. Trying, what, what's a Mac code? I don't know. No, I don't know what a Mac code <laughs> is. And I don't know why. It's see, But it was the 90s, man. Is everything dependent on a little bit of paper that you've got in your wallet or your book? It's, that seems unlikely. I still, I still use a, a, a paper diary, so I can't talk. I use a paper diary, but I don't write my passwords in it. So no. You do. I did used to, no, I don't. I did, used to, I did used to have one of those tiny phone books as well. I, you were yeah. talking to the right person. Mm. I've got a tiny address book and a tiny phone book. Mm. Yeah, I like it. Okay. Uh, so that's it. Um, or maybe just more Whoopi Goldberg. From from a modern perspective now, she doesn't appear till too late, but I'm just, I'm no. kind of grasping. I don't, I don't know. No, it's fine. Yeah, it's, it's fine, fine as it is. It's fine. This film is fine as it is. Yes. Let's leave it alone. <laughs> right, without, and now we're done. Okay. Um, no quiz this week as Alex is still off, unless you want to get another point in the bag. <sighs> I don't know, because like I said, I can't deal with the aggro. Like, I really can't deal with it. It will be horrible for everybody. So I don't want to piss him off. But I do, I want, like I said last week, I want the point so badly mm. and I don't want to have to deal with it. So mm. which of my wants is going to win? You tell me. I can do whatever you want here. No, I don't want to deal with it. You don't want it. a sneaky point. No, because I, I got one last week, so that's... that's well, feels... you might have done. You might have done. <laughs> I've made a note in my phone that you could have an additional point. <laughs> If everyone agrees. I tell you what, this, this is because oh, I'm terrible. Let the record show mm. that I did not grasp for points when really I could have done. Mm-hmm. And so if ever I just need a little bit of like a moral edge, mm. let's have that in my mm. back pocket. And so he, might, he might never know this because he probably is not going to listen as he's not no. on the episodes. But but you know that I did the I do. And our listeners right know. Yeah. Yes. That's Quite a, good point. a few thousand people know. That's a really good point. <laughs> All right. So everyone, everyone heard that. I did the right thing. If you see Vicky in the street, just give her a nod and a smile <laughs> that says, I know. I know. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, without a quiz, um, we'll end with a clue, which is... Tonight we're going to Barty like it's mid-1980s. Well, mid to late 1980s. <laughs> this is um, so labored. Tonight we're going to Barty like it's mid-1980s. Well, mid to late <laughs> 1980s. Um, uh, and if that clue is a bit rubbish, Vicky no. has come up with a much better pun that we'll be posting on Twitter. For now, that's your lot. If you feel so inclined, please give us a like or a subscribe or better still a review where you get your pods. And we'll be back on Thursday with a film that's available on Apple TV in the UK and is called Truly Madly Deep. This was a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.